1: Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Tony winner Anais Mitchell performs this Friday night at Strathmore in North Bethesda, Maryland. She joined me to discuss her folk roots in Vermont and how she was inspired to write the Broadway musical Town, which won eight Tonys, including Best Musical. Hey, Anais Mitchell, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP.
0: Thanks for having me, Jason.
1: Now we're here because you're coming to the Strathmore in North Bethesda, Maryland.
0: We don't really have a name for the tour, (laughs) but it is, um, it is essentially like a, there is a two band bill, but the bands are very similar. So, um, so the first set is from my folk band, Bonnie Light Horseman. Um, that's my band with Josh Kaufman and Eric D. Johnson. Um, and then uh, and also we have these players with us, JT Bates and Mike Lewis, who have played on both of our Bonnie Light Horseman records. So it's a, it's a, it's a big sort of big folk band. And then we take a break and we slightly reconfigure the stage. And then we're playing songs from my new record, which was produced by Josh and also has JT and Mike playing on it. So it's, it's a lot of the same cast of characters, but it's different music
1: very very cool and you said it was your new record i mean was was a lot of this composed during the pandemic how how much did that time off or maybe not time off uh, help help you put together the new stuff
0: yeah this is definitely a pandemic album <laughs> um <laughs> And, you know, I haven't made a songwriter album like a, uh, I haven't really put any music out under my own name in a long time. I was working on this musical called Hadestown. Um, Might have heard of it. <laughs> yeah, it definitely took over my creative world. And, um, you know, for many years there, I was kind of just like rewriting it, rewriting it, trying to get it to Broadway, which it finally did land on Broadway in 2019. Um, and yeah. And then it it really was the pandemic hit New York City. I was nine months pregnant with our second um, kid when um, when New York started to feel like not a place to you know give birth. And we made this 11th hour decision to leave and to go to Vermont, um, which is where my family is and where I'm born and raised, had the baby on my parents' sheep farm one week later. And then like everyone we just were um, just in the middle of this just strange, still time, you know, the stillness of that time and had this little, little infant baby. And we were, um, you know, in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) um, reconnecting with nature, reconnecting with my family. And I started to write my own songs again. And that's, that's kind of the space that all of these songs came out of. Um, Yeah.
1: That's that's great. Um, and you mentioned Handy sound I want to get to that. I definitely want to get to that in a second. But but real quick, whenever I have an artist like yourself, one I love to sort of hear your journey. So take me back to the very beginning. I know you grew up um, uh, in, in in Vermont, uh, you know, how did, how did you get into, you know, music or musical theater, you know, at such a young age? Was, was there sort of like a, a formative thing that happened, either like a theater arts class or a music lesson or, you know, I, I want to hear the roots here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up, um, my parents were like hippie back to the landers, you know, they came from the suburbs of New Jersey, and they, um they bought a sheep farm in Vermont, they wanted to sort of be live close to the land. And I was raised with a lot of kind of stuff from that culture. I did folk music and the Rise Up Singing songbook. And um, I studied the violin as a little kid. And then when I was in high school, I kind of, I came under the influence of a lot of really powerful female songwriters that were like happening in the 90s. It was Annie DeFranco was a big one, Tori Amos, um, Dar Williams. And, I, and And it was that moment that I thought, that's what I want to do you know there's something about the the way they were expressing the way they were emoting um, the poetry of their lyrics. I think um, my dad is a writer and, and I always kind of wanted to be a writer of some kind. And then it turned out that songs was, was my way of being a writer. Um, I was not a theater kid. Like, you know, now that I know <laughs> what a theater kid is, I realized I was not one. Um, <laughs> it's not that I knew every show and knew every word of every show. I did um, experience, like I saw Les Mis in high school was really moved by Les Mis and also um, Sweeney Todd by Sondheim and um, and the Three Penny Opera. And then later, much later, when I was already working on Hades Town, I, I fell in love with Hamilton. And I think that the the common denominator of a lot of those shows is that they're um, they're sung through, like they're basically all music. You know, there's not sort of a, a scene and then a song. It's everything sort of underscored and rhyming and metered. And that's what Hades Town is also. It kind of wants to just live in that world where it's like the spell of music is never broken. And for me. Um, it was a big learning curve to learn how to write for the theater, but is also is the kind of writing that I wanted to do anyway, like I, I love storytelling, I love balladry, you know, British Isles, balladry, and I love the Texas songwriter tradition of like Towns Van Zant, just like very wordy, wordsmithy, storytelling type of songs. So in that sense, it wasn't a huge leap to go from writing songs to 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 writing this piece of music theater.
1: Love it. How does the germ of the idea of Hadestown come to you? You know, you did Hymns for the Exile, you know, the, an album in 04, but then I guess the Hadestown folk opera idea, started, at least your first earliest drafts is like around 06 or something like that. So how does the idea actually come to you? Do, do you remember where you were, how you came yeah, up yeah. with it?
0: Yeah, I was very young. When I think about it, I was kind of right out of school <laughs> and I was just starting, you know, to try to have a career as a singer songwriter. I would take any gig, you know, for tips, I would drive like, you know, across the country, basically. Any gig I could possibly get to, to play music for people. And I was driving home from one of these gigs. Um, I think I was in Virginia and I'm on the highway and I was just, uh, this. these lines kind of dropped out of the sky, you know, and they were, <laughs> it was the melody of that song, Wait For Me from Town, mm-hmm. And it went, wait for me, I'm coming in my garters and pearls. With what melody did you barter me? from the wicked underworld and those lyrics never made it into the show, but they, you know, the content of them, like they seem to point the way toward the Orpheus and Eurydice myth. And that it's just like a a story, a myth that I remember from when I was a kid that I always loved and, you know, made a big impression on me. And I just kind of started to follow the thread into the labyrinth. And then, you know, 15 years later, (laughs) I emerged from the labyrinth.
1: Here we are. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I love hearing that, you know, used the lyrics dropped out of the sky. I mean, that you're giving me gold. Thank you. But, um, but in terms of, um, you know, then actually watching it become a show and watch it get cast and everything, you know, it, explain sort of, you know, what it was like getting to actually sit in a theater in Broadway for the first time and actually see this thing birthed and, and actually come to life.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, Right. Because, you know, sometimes lyrics drop out of the sky and then but 95 percent of it was like banging my head against the wall at a desk somewhere, you know, trying to trying to make a rhyme that would incrementally improve, you know, some aspect of the show to get it to where it could be on Broadway. It was an extraordinary moment to put the pencil down. And there came a moment where I had to do that. Like I was literally not allowed to change anything else because the show had to be locked in order for it to open on on Broadway. And and then it was a feeling of like, wow, as much work as I know that I personally put into this thing, it doesn't feel like it's mine. It's its own animal. It's like, I remember like I I was in Manhattan and I woke up really early. I was not sleeping well (laughs) leading up to the Broadway opening and I went for a jog and I jogged past the theater and there was these kids camped out outside the theater to try to get cheap tickets. And some of them were dressed up as the characters from the show, you know, it's like cosplaying the characters from the show. And I was like, I have no idea what the relationship is of this kid to this show. Like, I, you know, I'm not a part of that equation. It's like this show is its own animal now. And it was really like humbling and beautiful to just like let it, let it go, let it, let it fly on its own wings.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, we have a special connection to Hadestown, um, at least in this area, because the great now Tony winning Andre DeShields, he was the whiz many years ago, but now winning a Tony for your show. You know, he's from Baltimore. Um, So he's he's popped by the station. He's just a really good guy. Patrick Page. I mean, the cast is it's just stacked. But um, what was it like being there on Tony night and watching, you know, those great artists win one right after another?
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a glorious feeling. I mean, because there's people put so much work into the thing and also they're just everyone was such good people like their hearts are so good Andre is a is just extraordinary human and he I mean he was in his seventies when, and obviously he, he had been received as a great artist before this, but it was as if him walking up there, you know, he walked so slowly, (laughs) just that slow walk up there, his beautiful speech to receive this Tony. It was like, he was gracefully meeting his destiny. You know what I mean? Like he knew he was destined for it. He just had to wait 73 years or whatever it was (laughs) to um, be received in that way. And, um, He's been such an extraordinary like spokesperson for the show and sort of like a spiritual leader, you know, sort of keeping things anchored to what is real, um, because he's so grounded, um. I mean, he's also celestial, but he's also very grounded.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And then, so Andre wins. all. And this this momentum is all building. And then, one by one, rattle him off. I think it won, what, like, eight, I think? You were nominated for 14, and it won eight. But, you know, you get to accept the award for, you know, I guess you won for, what, original score. But then the big one, too, it wins best musical at the end of the night. What was it like, like, just you being on stage? And, you know, you're talking about growing up this, you know, sort of sort of a not a theater kid, this sort of folk songwriter. And here you are, like... Going on Broadway's biggest stage, winning the biggest award at the end of the night.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. When I think about it now, like, it's like a dream. <laughs> it's like a dream to me. Like, it's as if I was sleepwalking. And I I sometimes look at pictures on my phone from that time. And I'm like, who was that? How did that? Was that my life? Like, how did that happen? And, um, you know, ultimately, like, I'm so grateful for all those awards because they brought so much attention to the show, which is like so important for the life of the show for people knowing about it wanting to go see it for everyone that's part of that organism but also like it's those moments when everyone's kind of looking at you and saying like how do you feel isn't this amazing those are never the moments for me where i can really feel the the depths of the feelings you know a lot of times like it's, it's later, it's a quiet moment of gratitude or you know, it's actually the work itself. Like it's a moment of discovery in the writing or on stage when like something is clicking, like those are the moments where you really feel it. And um, I think there's a way in which like, I've stopped looking for the kind of satisfaction from the, the, those kind of public recognition moments because it just, you're like a deer in the headlights. At least I was.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, at the, after that point, you know, everyone, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of a household name after that point, you know, Hadestown. I don't want to say it puts you on the map, but you know, it's, it, everyone knows you at that point. So, um, so at that point, you know, um, tell me about shortly after, I guess, uh, tell me about the forming of, of bon- Bonnie Light Horseman.
0: Yeah, *Bonnie and the started before *Haiti Sound* went up on Broadway. Um, We—I remember us tracking, actually tracking our first record, part of it in the winter. That was like just before the spring when we took the show to to Broadway. Um, it was really, honestly, Jason. It was like it was like a gateway drug to me back to music for the sake of music. Like I found working on *Haiti Sound* that I just I didn't have a lot of bandwidth to write my own songwriter songs, I sort of felt like I was cheating on the show if I did anything else. And the exception to that rule was this, this project by Nellie Horseman, especially because our first record is, is all um, interpretations of or kind of inspired by traditional music, traditional texts, oftentimes. And so in that way, it felt like we didn't have to come up with the stuff from scratch. We were really like, we could make it our own, but it didn't feel like it was, we would ever own it. It was really like a, drinking from a deep well, you know, of this traditional traditional material. And um, it was so sort of charmed and easy and relaxing to work on that music with those people um, in contrast to the kind of pressure that I felt, you know, uh, trying to take the show to Broadway and really in front of so many eyes and cri- you know cri- critical eyes um and so it really was like yeah it was my gateway back and then this record that I'm touring now that I just made of my own songs I think it wouldn't have happened if not for Bonnie Light Horseman obviously like I the producer of this album is Josh my bandmate and a lot of the players are the same players and our way of working which was really like trying to capture things live you know trying to just um sort of uh, let the process of discovery be on the record and uh, not have everything figured out and kind of um, just enjoy the, the kind of the ritual of being together in a room um, and trying to capture that on record.
1: Absolutely. Well, everyone will be excited to see, you know, the, the, the music at Strathmore. Um, but in terms of, uh, after, so that's the latest, you know, on the music front, you know, you're going to be touring these songs you wrote during the pandemic, et cetera. What about, you know, what about fans of, you know, of your, of your Broadway musical stuff, or is there anything else you're going to, are you going to return to that realm, you know, after this music tour is over or what, what can we expect from you, you know, in the pipeline? Yeah.
0: Well, for people who might come to the show, I'll let them know that we are doing a couple Hades Town songs, which is really fun. Um, really fun for me to sing them, and I'm also doing one as a duet with Eric, <laughs> so he gets to be Orpheus. <laughs> and that's really fun. Um, I'm really enjoying just writing songs, making records right now. It feels like right where I want to be, but I, um, I can't really, I don't like to imagine not making another musical, you know, especially when I saw Hadestown reopen on Broadway after the long shutdown. I just, I spent the whole first act just like blown away by the full color animal that a musical is with, you know, costumes and props and staging and sets and choreography and orchestrations and um, all of the choices that go into a show and the extraordinary performers that, that, that bring it to life. I would love to do it again. And it just is a matter of like, I have to care 1000%, you know, I have to care about that story a thousand percent because it just takes so much um, life force (laughs) to make it happen.
1: Yeah, well, maybe you'll be driving, you know, to one of these concerts here and maybe more more (laughs) musical lyrics will drop out of the sky again. You never know. (laughs)
0: I'll keep my net open.
1: Keep your net open. Awesome. But for now, uh, everyone, um, check out Nice Metro and Bonnie Light Horseman at Strathmore in Maryland uh, on Friday, February 11th. Thanks so much for joining us. It was great getting to catch up with you.
0: Yeah, such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Jason.
1: All right. Talk to you later. See ya. Ciao.